Today I want you to know and understand that God can do more. Did you know God could do more? I mean, I'm blown away by these stats. I'm thinking, man, how could God do any more than that? How could I even think about more than that? But God says, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. I'll show you more than you've ever seen before. And I'm praying expectantly that that will be the case as we move forward this summer into next year. Praying expectantly for a building. Praying expectantly for more new birth, more baptism, more people that are all in with worship, walk, work, giving, whatever. I'm just praying for more. God, you can do more. Can God do more? Do you think he can? I'm not sure if he can. Can he do more? I know he can do more, right? I know he can do more. So what's hindering him doing more? Point to the person that might be the problem. I might be hindering him doing more, right? Are you pointing at me? No, no, point to the person. (laughs) You're all like, "Ah." you got to point to yourself, right? I mean, left to myself, I'm not going to do anything for God this next year. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, some amazing, amazing things are going to happen for his honor and glory. And I want to point these things out to you from Ephesians chapter 4. So go ahead and turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's get into word. That's why we all came anyway. Worship the Lord and, and grow in his word. So Ephesians chapter 4. If you're there, say you're there. Wow, you guys are quick. Anybody else? (laughs) Okay, there, 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 there. I got it. Okay, good. We're all there. Um, Ephesians chapter 4. God can do more. And so I want to just start with Ephesians 3, verse 20. Look at Ephesians 3, 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we would ask or think according to the power. I have that boxed in my Bible. I have ask and power boxed in my Bible. Those are the two things. Ask for the power. God's got power. He's got plenty. Ask for the power. To the power at work within us, that's through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the blood of Jesus Christ, to him be glory in the church. In this church, I pray God, and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen? Now, is he able? Well, there's three words to describe if he's able. Far, more, and abundantly. I think the Apostle Paul wanted to get his point across. He wasn't like, hey, he's far greater. It wasn't like he's far more greater. He's far more abundantly greater. He could do a lot more some of you guys have immeasurably more, right? Do you have that in your Bible? Anybody? Measurably more? All right, so like find the lo- world's largest measuring stick and try to measure how much more. It isn't, it's not measurable. You can't come up with a, a length in your mind that ought to blow your gaskets to try to figure out how much more it is. God can do a lot more. And I'm praying that he'll do that in our church. And I'm praying that you'll see that in your own life. To him be glory in this church, in this generation. All right? Can we just change that verse up a little bit? Because when he writes it, he writes it for all time. The Holy Spirit writes it to every church in every generation. But we're here now. To him be glory in this church, in this generation. Right? And hopefully for generations to come. But I can only help now. So what's my part? Go ahead, ask yourself, what's my part? part. Well, I'm going to tell you what your part is. 
Well, that is, I will not leave you hanging there. I'm going to tell you exactly what your part is in this, and you find it in the next chapter. Here it is. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of, one body, right? Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body. Amen, church? There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. That's all four times. I mean, you, you should only have to say all once. All means all, right? Everything. And he says it four times. Why? Because he thinks we might be a little delayed, all right? Just a little uh, slow, right? Thick. Stubborn. I don't know. All right, here's the three things I'm going to give you. Do you see it there in the first verse? I therefore, just a little setup here. Before you practice, there has to be some principles, right? And I can't go preach Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 for you, but maybe someday, if by God's grace. And you can go read it this week because those are the doctrines, those are the principles before we get to the practice. Now, I'm giving the practical without the doctrine. Now, I've given you pr plenty of doctrine over the years. But why don't you go read it this week. Get yourself filled in on why we're going to do what, what, what I'm talking about here. Then he says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. This is what I want to say about that. Remember, we just left off Acts 28, right? Where did, we, where, where did we leave Paul? In prison? I mean, it was house arrest, so he was like shackled to a Roman guard, right? Sayonara, see you later. Hope you have a good life. I'm shackled here for two years. It costs something. What I'm about to ask you to do, it costs something. Paul's making that very clear. Hey, I want to urge you to do something, but I don't want you to be blind to the fact it's going to cost you something. I'm a prisoner for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's costing me something. It's not like, oh, is it costing us something to be out here? I'm a little cold. Could you hurry up? My fingers are getting like... Give me a point or something so I can move my hands. I got it. I got it. It's coming. It cost me something. Should I continue or do we want to stop now? Should, should I go or are you like, I don't know. I, I, don't, I like cost a lot. Let's go, huh? All right. I urge you. That word urge you is a very strong word. <laughs> to ask for, to plead with, to appeal I beg you, I get down on my knees, right? Earnestly exhorting you. I'll just say it this way. You know what? I asked you to come here because I need your help. I called you together to encourage you to do these things. More. Okay, that's the first word. More. Okay, so more what? Here's the first point. Walk worthy. We need more walking worthy. More, right? 
over every single one of these things. Now more than ever, we need more. God can do more. More, 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 more. He says in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 that you would do this more and more. More and more, right? And the first thing that I believe is our part in God doing more is to walk worthy. We have to walk in a manner worthy. That's what it says. Verse 1. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Walk in a manner worthy. Did you know that walk is used about our Christian life, discipleship, almost a hundred times in the New Testament? I think Paul might have a thing going on with walking. Maybe he's walked a lot. Maybe it's hard some days. Maybe it's easy some days. Maybe he can get us to, to relate to my Christian walks hard some days. Some days it's easy. Some days I'm walking uphill. Sometimes it's gravel. Sometimes I have shoes on. Sometimes I don't. That hurts. And Paul's like, you know what? It's a walk. And I want you to walk in a certain way. I want you to walk worthy. Worthy is the idea of living to match one's position in Christ. Do you have a position in Christ? What's your position in Christ? Stinking awesome. <laughs> All right. I'm amazing in Christ. I don't ever do anything wrong in Christ. I'm perfect in Christ because he's perfect. To walk worthy is the idea of living to match my position in Christ and be everything that the Lord desires and empowers me to be. That's what it means to walk worthy. To be awesome. To be holy as he is holy. To be worthy as he is worthy. Now, I just got to get this off my chest because I read this and I'm like, how in the world will I ever be holy? I know myself. How in the world will I ever be worthy? I know myself. So you have to understand the word worthy is this. It means it balances out. It adds up, right? So just, just know this, right? Just, just, I didn't bring a scale with me, but if I did, it would have something on this side and something on this side. Can you picture it? And if something goes on this side, then this side goes up, right? You ever seen one of those? Okay, a couple of you guys. All right. I'm trying to come up with a better illustration in my head right now. Okay, I'm gonna stick with it. All right, so you have these two, you know, and so you put something down here, you're like, if you put anything, just name something. Put it over here. What? Cannonball. I put a cannonball over here. I put God over here. Thank you for the frivolous illustration. I appreciate it. I put a cannonball over here, and I put God over here. What do you think? It's going to balance every time. No matter what you put over here, your worst fear, your greatest achievement, no matter what you put over here, God is equal to that. He balances it every time. Therefore, he is worthy. No matter what you put here, God is worthy. Do you get that? And you're asking me to be that? That's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to be worthy. And it's going to take all you have in the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. You need to understand that when you're on one side, and whatever you're facing, whatever mountain or whatever victory is over here, that in the power of the blood of Christ, you are worthy. Do you get that? That you are only worthy because of him, right? Who's standing on the scale with you? Because if you're standing there alone, it's going like this. 
But if you're standing there in the power of the Holy Spirit, if you're standing there, Jesus Christ, hand in hand, you are worthy. Be encouraged. Do you know that? You are worthy. And we are called to walk in a worthy way. And when we do that, walking hand in hand with Jesus, walking in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit, God shows up in an amazing way and does things that we could not even ask or think. That's what I'm asking our church. God can do more, and he can use us to do it. What's our part? Walking worthy. That's what we got to do. We got to walk worthy. Who's in on that? Well, I'm in on it now that I know Jesus Christ and I are hand in hand. I'm in on it now if I know the Holy Spirit's inside of me. So maybe you're like, man, that's not true. I don't have Christ. What a greater time to balance the scales than today, right? At one body. What a greater time. There's no greater time than today is the day of salvation. Now is the moment, no matter what you've done or what you've said or who you are, God is equal to that. Put him in your heart. Put him on the scale with you, right? And let it balance today. And be free from it all. You can walk in a worthy manner. All right, the second thing. Live lovingly. I know it doesn't really roll off my tongue either. Live lovingly. Live lovingly. Live lovingly. I don't know. But it's what the text says. So we're just going to go with it. All right? Here's what it says. With all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing one another in love. It's all about love. Humility and love. Gentleness and love, patience and love, forbearance and love, it's all in love. So there, these are four evidences or examples of love. And I asked these guys to throw up, just before we go to love, right? You got to read the love chapter, right? So I asked these guys to throw up 1 Corinthians 12. Let's just do a little love check before we even talk about love. If we're living lovingly or not, we should just go to the standard, right? So love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. I know some of you guys camped out last night. I was kind of envious, but you're probably boasting. (laughs) I was here. I did it. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. That's a tough one, isn't it? Because I kind of want to get my way. I like ice cream instead of coffee. (laughs) My way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. It doesn't rejoice when things don't go well for other people. It doesn't rejoice when people are doing evil, sinning. But it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. There's nothing it can't bear. It believes all things. It hopes all things. And it endures all things. Love never fails. Love, that's what we're talking about. Live lovingly. So humility is the word that it uses. That's an attitude without arrogance. I'm not sure I've ever had that attitude. I'm not sure I'd know I'd had that attitude if I did. Because I think once you figure out you have humility and you say, I'm pretty humble, 
something just changed. But write these three words down. This will help you. You before me. We say that in our family. I say this often, you before me. I don't always live it, but I want to say it and I want to live it. You before me. In the spirit of you before me, I'm not going to explain it any longer. I'm going to put you before me and keep going. All right. Gentleness. Gentleness is actually meekness, and Moses is a great example of that in the Old Testament. Instead of going there, I'm just going to say this. It means to be considerate. It's strength under control. Meekness isn't weakness. It's strength under control. I'm strong enough, but I'm self-controlled with my strength. I can do what I want right now. I have the power to do that, but I'm choosing in the power of the Spirit not to. I'm gentle. Then there's patience, another evidence of love. When you're patient with people, you're loving with people. When you're gentle with people, you're loving with people. When you're humble, you're loving. Do you get that? Patience. Steadfastness in the endurance of suffering. Anybody ever been through some suffering? Raise your hand if you've been through some suffering. Yeah, I think I might have been through some suffering. It's patience in the endurance of suffering. It's sitting here in 50 degree weather while somebody's trying to tell you how you can change your life. And everything your flesh is like, can we just go by the bonfire like last night? I'd like another s'more. I know because I feel that way. I know you feel that way. I do. I don't want to put my sin on you. It's the reluctance to avenge wrong. Is anybody really reluctant to avenge wrong? I'm kind of like, that was wrong. <laughs> Let's get it on. But this patience is the reluctance to take vengeance when somebody's wrong. This is good stuff I've been studying this week. I hope it's really encouraging you. And then it says to bear with. That's forbearance used several times in the scriptures too. To give attention to, to accept, to put up with others' faults. <laughs> I'll put up with you. I know you've had to put up with me a lot, baby. I'm so sorry. But thank you for your for forbearance, okay? I mean, I know my wife loves me because she is very forbearing. And uh, I'm just telling you, when somebody puts up with you for 21 years, that's what it was this month, that's forbearing. Okay, just th that's the example right there. So if you've been married a long time, well done, you've been forbearing. You've put up with someone's faults for a long time. That's what we're going for, church. We're not going for it in a marriage. We're going for it in a one body. That's tougher, right? That's harder to be a church with that kind of humility, with that kind of gentleness, with that kind of patience, with that kind of forbearance. I love you so much. I'm going to put up with you. <laughs> and I know you say that every week. I love you so much. I'm going to come back to church and I'm going to put up with you. And I'm grateful because that's what makes a healthy church. When we show up again at small group and we put up with each other's whatever and we pray for each other and we say, I believe in you. I believe in a better day. I believe that God's going to work in your heart. I believe that you're not going to be the same person tomorrow. I believe. 
We need to live that way. We need to live it out. We need to live lovingly. Let me just quote this verse. 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. So if we do this thing called live lovingly, no matter what happens, we're going to get through it. No matter how we feel about each other, it'll be okay. How are we doing at loving, church? Just at first blush, I say we're doing pretty good. But I didn't come here to like say we're doing pretty good. I think you know why I came here. God can do more, right? I came to encourage you. I came to remind you that this isn't enough, right? Christ is enough. I want to be more Christ-like, and Christ is perfect love, right? More is more. I want more. So I want to love better, and I want to live it out. How are we doing at love? I'm doing all right. I could do better. That's what I'm thinking as I walk out of here. I want to do better at that loving thing. Love covers a multitude of sins. I can help our church thrive if I love. Let's keep growing in love, huh, church? Let's do it. All right, this last thing. So you have four words down. What do you got? What do you got? You can look at your paper. It's, 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 it's an open book test. What do you got? Walk worthy. Okay, more of that. What have you got? Live love. It just doesn't flow. It just, it just, it just doesn't. Live lovingly. Live out love. Love. I don't know. What do you live? I don't know. It's live lovingly. It's two words. You can remember it. That's all that matters. Ready for number five and six? Protect unity. What we have is worth protecting. Unity in the body, one body, it's worth protecting. Protect unity. He says here, I'm eager to do one's best quickly, happily devoting oneself with urgency. I was thinking of my kids in this regard. I was thinking, man, they, they model this. And I was like, hold on. Sometimes they model this, right? Sometimes they're like, Dad, why do I got to do that? And I'm like, dude, come on, man. Now I'm just going to use the word. Are you eager? I'm just get, they're just going to know the code word. Are you eager? Do you want to be eager? Because eager means doing your best quickly, right away. Come on, let's go. Yeah, I'm eager, Dad. Let's go. Eager to what? To maintain. I'm not much of a maintenance person. I'm kind of a builder. Anybody else? I'm a builder. I'm the only builder? Uh-oh. Okay, thank you, Matt. I saw that hand, Brandon. There's some builders, right? Some people are, Chris, well, well done. We're not just talking about laziness, right? Maintaining is building. It's protecting what you've already built so it doesn't fall over while you add some more onto it. So maintain to cause, to continue, to keep, to guard, to watch, to protect. That's what it means, to protect. That's where I got the word, protect. We protect our unity. Why? Because we need to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The unity is that oneness. It's that marriage peace that I talked about earlier. Of Spirit, that's the way of thinking, right? There's something inside my inner being. It's called the Holy Spirit. And it, it causes me to think a certain way. 
Have a certain mind. Uh, Philippians 2.2 says this. Have the same mind. Be of the same love. Like I have the same kind of thought process you do as you walk in the Spirit and I'm walking in the Spirit. We think the same. Around Jesus Christ, we think the same. That's unity. And that's what we have and that's what we want to protect and that's what we're going for more and more. And then it uses this word in bond. So I need, I need a volunteer. Come on now. I need a kid. Eli, come on, man. Come on, you want in? No. All right, I need a kid. Eli, you're in. Okay. So this is it. Ready? Strike a pose, man. You're in the message. All right, we're going to put this on you. Uh, if it hurts, say it hurts. No? Okay. And then, and then I take this, and I, I shackle it to me. Now, how am I going to get this off? I didn't bring the key. <laughs> I did not bring the key. You didn't really lock oh, I didn't lock mine? Okay, so then you can have it. Okay, so, <laughs> but I didn't bring the key, so you're stuck all day. Should I just chain it to something? Here, let's just change it. You want to change it to something? No, it's all good. All right, hey, give those back to me later. So, so <laughs> whenever you get them off, okay, it'd be cool. So that's what it means that, like, Paul was chained to a Roman guard. He's writing this chained... <laughs> Oh, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. Well, that was quick. Did you find a key? No. The lever. A- Adam, your kid's a thief. He can pick locks. <laughs> Paul's chained. Paul's chained to a Roman guard as he writes this. And he's talking about the bond of peace. Is there a lot of peace going on right now? Like, I'm chained to somebody. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there is a bond right? You are chained to this thing. You are fettered and bound. It's what binds us together, this peace. It's the peace that passes all understanding. It's the peace of knowing that we're going to be with Jesus Christ together forever. That sort of peace in the future, that keeps us bound together. That protects the unity that we have. That peace is wanting to live in harmony, in order, free from worry, secure in who we are. We are Harvest Bible Chapel of Rochester, Minnesota. Right? It's just a name. But it's a name we've all gathered around. Because of the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. I want to protect that unity. I want to be about walking worthy. I want to be about living lovingly. I want to be about protecting the unity of what we have here. And I want to add people to it. But in adding people to it, maybe we won't be as unified. Well, that's the chance we take, isn't it? That's why we have to do this so that we can continue to walk forward in unity. God can do more if we want to see him do more. Do you want to see him do more? then I assert to you, church, as we walk into the summer and into next year, I have no idea what we're going to be doing. I trust God for it. I assert to you that we need to walk worthy, that we need to love, okay? Live out love, and that we need to protect the unity that we have in the bond of peace. Committed to that? Are you committed to that, church? I'm committed to that. I'll give my life for it. I'll lay it all down for that. 
because I believe the local church is the bride of Christ. It's the power that he's using in this world to set the world free from sin and shame. This church is worth dying to myself for. It's worth it. And I'm grateful for this church. Thanks for being a part of it. I want to encourage you today with where God's taken us. But you know what else I want to do? I want to ask you for more. Because I know God can do more. And he wants to use us to do more. Let's get after that, huh? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for doing all that you do. And for using us to be a part of it. We're so grateful. We're not worthy except for in your son, Jesus Christ. That makes us worthy. And we love the standing we have. We love standing on that scale and balancing out. We want to be tied together. We want to be bound together in peace, in unity. We're going to lay ourselves down, God, lovingly, because you're worth it. Your bride, the church, is worth it. So as we gather as one body, and as we sing to you this last time all together, I pray, God, that you will receive our adoration and that you will do again what you have done before. That you will move among us like you have never moved among us before. You can do more, God. And we ask you to do it in Jesus Christ's name.